0: Welcome to the Two Journeys Podcast. This is part one of episode 39 in the book of John, entitled, The Sentence, where we discuss John chapter 19, verses 1 through 16. I'm Wes Treadway, and I'm here with Pastor Andy Davis. Andy, what are we going to see in these verses today?
1: So what we're going to look at today, we're right in the middle of Jesus' trial before Pontius Pilate. So in, in some ways, the chapter division is completely unhelpful here. We're right in the middle, even of, of him going out and say, saying, shall I release to you a prisoner? And so we're right in the middle of that thought. So we can just slide out the chapter division. <laughs> we're going to talk about Jesus' trial before Pilate. And what we're gonna see, as John always wants us to see, we're gonna see the deity of Christ. But also, this is a very important historical document. This is the official record of the trial of Jesus before the Roman Empire, before Mm -hmm. Rome, with Pilate as the representative. How was it that an innocent man was condemned to death? And that he was innocent is important. Jesus' sinless substitute, he, Pilate says three times, I find no fault in him. He'd done nothing wrong, and yet he was condemned to die. Why? Now that's what we're gonna get into, how God sovereignly orchestrated the death of Jesus as an innocent man before Rome and before the Jews, Mm -hmm. Uh, as a substitute for us, the sinful world. And also, I think we're going to see with Pilate kind of representing us, a man who has to make a decision about Jesus. What will I do with Jesus? In the end, John brings us all to that point where we have to decide what to do with Jesus.
0: Yeah. Who do we believe that he is? Who are we going
1: to believe? Yeah. Well, for
0: our listeners, I'm going to go ahead and read John chapter 19, verses 1 through 16. And 16 has a Bit of an interesting break in uh, our Bibles as well. So I'll read just the first half of verse 16. But this is 19, 1 through 16. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Mm-hmm. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified." Mm-hmm. Now, Andy, right off the bat, when we get into this passage, a question that comes to our minds is we've heard those multiple times mm-hmm. that Pilate would say, I find no guilt in him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Why does Pilate have Jesus flogged? I mean, why flog a man whom he had just declared innocent in John 18, 38?
1: Well, it's simply overt injustice. Mm-hmm. Three times, let's let's rephrase Pilate's statement. Uh, we have it in, in 18, uh, 38. He went out to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Let's say it plainly. This man is innocent, or he is an innocent man. Let's use that phrase. He Mm -hmm. is an innocent man. A few verses later, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. That's injustice. And then again, um, in verse four, behold, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that he's an innocent man. Well, then what'd you flog him for? And they're mocking him and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Verse six, you take him and crucify him. As for me, he's an innocent man. Well, are you in charge here or not? You're the Roman governor with legions behind you. If he's innocent, set him free, but he doesn't set him free. Mm. And so we need to understand at the human level why he doesn't set him free, but we need to also understand at God's level We need to go up into the councils of Almighty God. Mm -hmm. So let's let's talk about that, because we mentioned it last time, and this is a very, very important understanding. We need to understand the sovereignty of God over human history. We need to understand how God rules over everyday events, and God orchestrates things according to the counsel of his own will. He Mm -hmm. works out all things after the counsel of his will, but especially he worked out the crucifixion of Jesus according Mm -hmm. to the counsel of his will. It's the central event, that and the resurrection, the central events, of all of human history. So yes, God sovereignly sovereignly worked out that Jesus would be crucified. Uh, It says it twice in Acts uh, chapter two and again in Acts chapter four. Acts chapter two, Peter says to to the Jewish crowd, this man was handed over to you by God's set Purpose and foreknowledge, and you with the help of wicked men put him to death, nailing him to the cross. Mm. God set purpose and foreknowledge. Again, Acts chapter four, after Peter and John were released, after healing the, the, the lame beggar in Acts chapter three, they released, they go back, they gather the crowd together. They've been threatened to not preach the gospel anymore. They're gonna preach. Mm. So they gather the crowd together, they quote Psalm two, why do the nations rage, etc.? And then they say that, um, that God had orchestrated that Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Jewish leaders had conspired to to crucify your holy servant, Jesus. They did what your power and will had determined beforehand should happen, Mm. sovereignty of God. Well, how did it happen in space and time? Well, what happened is, as we mentioned last time, Pilate took over as governor of Judea. He comes in there with a big show of Roman power. He's in charge, he's man in charge. He marches into, into Jerusalem, goes to the Temple Mount, sets up the standards of the legions in the Temple Mount. Well, they include um, little icons uh, or symbols of, of the god Caesar, yeah. the deity of Caesar. Well, the Jews rebelled. They They said, get those out of here. And Pilate, he's not gonna be told what to do by the Jews. And so he says, if you don't clear this area, I'm gonna kill you. Well, they bared their necks and said, slaughter us. This is all in Josephus, a Jewish mm-hmm. historian. And he backed down, because he knows if he slaughters these hot-headed Jews, more Jews will take their place, he's gonna have a war on his hands. Yeah. You know, the Romans didn't want that. The Romans wanted two things out of every geographical region. They wanted peace and quiet, and they wanted tax money, <laughs> and perhaps more things. They wanted commerce and other things. They wanna run the world. Hmm. They don't want a war. Because it's costly. And so he has to back down. He knows what's up. Well, another event happens a short time thereafter. And they assemble. This time he surrounds them with, with soldiers. And this time they actually he actually does kill many of them. Mm. Jesus mentions it when he says that Pilate let you know killed them or let their blood with their sacrifices. So there's right there at the temple area. And he kills them this time. From what we, from what Josephus tells us, Pilate is is severely reprimanded by Caesar and says, "You better get your act together. You better keep that region quiet." Hmm. Jesus is the next trial. So, and you can see it in the, you can see all this backstory. It's not recorded in the Bible, mm-hmm. but you can see the effects of it. It mm-hmm. explains the dynamic between the Jews and and Pilate. Pilate comes out to them in Acts 18. He doesn't, they don't go to him. He, you know, he, he honors their unwillingness to come into his, into his court. So he goes out to them, cap in hand. What are the charges? Reasonable question for a judge on a case to ask. They basically said, if you were not a criminal, we would not have brought him to you. It basically, it's none of your business what the charges are. Mm. Just do what we want you to do. They clearly feel they have the upper hand. They do have the upper hand. You can tell by what happens. He's an innocent man, so I'll flog him. He's an innocent man, so I'll mock him. He's an innocent man. You, I'll give you a special dispensation. You crucify him. He's an innocent man, but he doesn't set him free. Hmm. He, is, he is trapped. Yeah. Pilate is trapped. And ultimately, you can see by the hammer blow, what finally does it. If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. We are going to tell Caesar if you let this man go. Mm. All right, I'll kill him then. Yeah. And so he is a trapped man. What makes it even more fascinating, and we'll walk through this, is Pilate, I really believe, thought that Jesus was a supernatural being. I think he really believed he was an incarnation. Hmm. Keep in mind the Greek and Roman system of polytheism believed in incarnations. They believed that Zeus or Apollos or whatever could take on human bodies. We see clear biblical evidence of this in the book of Acts where they thought Paul and and Barnabas were incarnations. So they they actually regularly thought this kind of thing happened. Well, you better be real careful how you deal with a god or goddess that takes on a human body. Hmm. You better not deal poorly with them. So we're gonna see this when Pilate goes to Jesus and says, where do you come from? And this is in direct reaction to the Jews saying, he claimed to be the son of God. He goes in and asks, where do you come from? He's not asking, what's your home address? He's asking, are you a God? Yeah. Are you what they are, are, are you, claiming? You claim are you Are you an incarnation? And, and then we mm-hmm. see very plainly, he is afraid of Jesus. When, when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. Mm. So we're gonna see all this. Pilate is trapped, but we need to understand all this backstory and see the dynamic here.
0: Yeah, it's very helpful in understanding the character of, of Pilate throughout this narrative that we're looking at today. Yeah. Now, what is the significance, as we move into verse two, of the crown of thorns and the purple robe?
1: Yeah, they are clearly mocking, and the Romans apparently did this a lot. You know, mm. they uh, many Roman emperors were, were puppets of soldiers. They were basically, they put a guy up. They put a robe on him and make him make him emperor. There were sometimes multiple emperors in one year. Mm-hmm. And so there'd be soldiers that would do this, but they would play the game too of, of pretending that someone's an emperor, put a purple robe on him and mock him, this kind of thing. So they're doing that to Jesus. Mm-hmm. But um, we also need to talk about the flogging. And I talked about how cowardly it was, but let's talk about what the thing itself was. Uh, Jesus was flogged you almost could say to within an inch of his life. Um, Mm -hmm. Now he wasn't gonna die by flogging. He's gonna die by crucifixion. But the flog was this long, these long strips of leather that had bits of bone or metal, lead or something like that at the end. And they would, the the flogger was very skillful in kind of pulling back on the cat or nine tails or whatever on the flogging device to rip pieces of, of flesh from people's backs. That's why the Jews limited it to 40 lashes minus one so that the guy wouldn't die. So it is a, about as extreme a form of torture as you can have without dying. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think it could be enough that you would die. Mm-hmm. And so this is what happened. Jesus' back is shredded by this. He is, so what we need to see is this is part of our atonement. It mm-hmm. isn't just the crucifixion. It's all that Jesus went through, including the flogging. So it's a vicious thing that Pilate had done. But He's doing it to appease the Jews. He just doesn't understand them. He gives them a little smell of blood and they're like a pack of wolves or like Mm. a great white shark. They're not gonna back down, they want it even more. So he flogs them. Then the soldiers take the crown of thorns, they mock it. And so it's amazing too, the symbolism here. We need to just see the deep, God is hugely into symbols. Thorns represent the curse. You know, Adam was told, the ground will produce thorns and thistles for you. Jesus is wearing it on his brow. He's It's smashed into his face, the curse. Jesus became a curse for us. So the symbol of curse is driven into Jesus' scalp. And again, it's, it's just this, the substitution, uh, Jesus, our atoning sacrifice is swimming in curse for us. Mm.
0: The behavior of the Roman soldiers in these verses, whether it be in the flogging or mm-hmm. the mocking, uh, really it seems to demonstrate the capacity for cruelty that exists mm-hmm. within human nature. Yeah. What do you think these soldiers would have done if Jesus had revealed just a little bit of his glory? Mm-hmm. And why did Jesus refrain from fighting back against such poor treatment?
1: Well, Jesus, this is the all-time greatest example ever of a human being showing self-control or restraint. Did Jesus have the power to free himself more than Samson? Samson freed himself from the Philistines multiple times. Mm-hmm. Jesus is greater than Samson. We know because when they went to arrest him, he said, I am, and they drew back and fell to the ground. That's yeah. like the only physically negative thing Jesus ever did to anyone. All of, his, all of his ministry was healing and supporting and kindness. But when they drew back and fell to the ground, it's like, you know, I could lay you low, but he just holds himself back. So to answer your question, I think they would have been terrified. Read about it in the book of Revelation. He's gonna come from heaven mm. with the power of God and he's going to destroy the antichrist with the breath of his mouth yeah. and with the splendor of his coming. So again, we see how close their, their mocking gets to the truth and also Pilate's um, placard that he puts, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. He actually was, he actually was a king. So they're mocking him right down Main Street of who he really was. It's really quite amazing. The, as you said, the cruelty, the arrogance of human sinners. Yeah.
0: Now, right on the heels of this, Pilate, in one of these moments, brings him out and, again, declares his innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, and you alluded to this a moment ago, but in verses 5 and 6, how, how did Pilate expect the Jews to react when they saw Jesus beaten and bloodied, wearing a purple robe and mm-hmm. crown of thorn? How did they actually react?
1: Well, I think he expected them to back down. Oh, that's enough. Hmm. You know, wow, he's, he's suffered enough. They're not going to do that. Mm-mm. They hate him. Mm. With every fiber of their being, they hate him. And so when he's that close to death, they are ready to kill him. I think picture pack of wolves or a great white shark, a little blood in the water. They're not backing down, they're gonna come after. But Pilate foolishly did not know men, did not know what this would do. Mm-hmm. And so he, he they come out, his blood's streaming down his face from the crown of thorns and from the beating he received on the face, they struck him in the face, maybe with a rod or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, he's wearing this purple robe. He looks hideous. As Isaiah 53 said, he he bore no appearance as a man he 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 looked like like subhuman he was that destroyed physically Mm. and so he brings him out and says look at him behold the man behold the man look at him and again the man he's just a man what is it you want i mean you really want him to die behold the man look at him so there's this sense of but all it does is inflame them it's like trying to put out a fire with kerosene
0: Mm. yeah and then Pilate, as you've mentioned earlier, takes this opportunity to, to seemingly kind of try to wriggle out of, mm-hmm. of his role in putting Jesus to death. Yeah. But do you think Pilate's attempted dismissal mm-hmm. absolved him of guilt of this matter?
1: No, not at all, because Jesus will say in verse 11, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. So Pilate is sinning right now as a judge. He should stand for justice. You don't say three times, "This is an innocent man," and do anything negative to him at all. Mm. So Pilate is definitely guilty. But as we said, you know, they, he brings Jesus out, and all they do when they they see him is shout, "Crucify, crucify!" And so that's they want to kill him. Um, but G, in no way is Pilate um, absolved. Mm. Um, and so he says, "You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him." Or I. I have judged him an innocent man, Hmm. that's what he's saying.
0: Yeah, now the Jews push back, and I wanna press into this uh, statement they make about their law. In verse Mm -hmm. seven, they answer Pilate and say, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. Now, Mm -hmm. if Jesus claimed to be God were false, would the Jews have been right in executing him? And if the law did require this, Mm -hmm. why are the Jews guilty?
1: Okay, yes, if he was not actually God, but claimed to be, the only God, then that would violate the first and greatest Mm. commandment. Mm -hmm. Love the Lord your God and serve him only. So really what's interesting is the laws against blasphemy are in fact set up by Almighty God. Mm. They're set up with the death penalty. They're set up plainly. If a false prophet comes, he's worthy of death. So if Jesus was a false prophet, he's worthy of death. This brings us right into the territory of C.S. Lewis's Lord Liar Lunatic. You can't claim to be God in a monotheistic society like this, with the laws of Moses set up, and that claim not be true, and you still be a good person, a, a good moral teacher, but not God. Like like C.S. Lewis calls it, patronizing nonsense. That's what most kind of liberal, you know, middle of the road type people want to say nice things about Jesus. Most people say nice things about Jesus. Well, he's not God but he was a great man and great moral teacher. It's Like, no, he wasn't. He
0: was a charlatan, (laughs) a deceiver. Yeah, it it
1: really is a binary thing. Hmm. He either was God or he wasn't. If he was God, that breaks into a binary. He knew it or he didn't. So if he was God, you need to worship him as Lord Hmm. or be condemned. If he wasn't God and he knew it, then he's a liar, the greatest liar there has ever been. If he wasn't God and didn't know, but really, truly thought he was God, then he's insane. Because he's surrounded by Jews who believed in one God and only one God. From his infancy, surrounded by monotheism, he had to be insane. But he's not a good guy. So that's C.S. Lewis. So fundamentally, we have a law. And by that law, he must die because he claimed to be God. No, he doesn't have to die because he claimed to be God. He would have to die if he claimed to be God and wasn't. But Jesus said, judge with right judgment, look at the evidence, look at the works. John chapter five, look at the works I do, look at the words I teach. As they said, these are not the sayings of a a demon-possessed man, he's not insane. So judge with right judgment. So they do have a law against blasphemers, but Jesus was no blasphemer. But look what it does to Pilate. We have a law, and by that law he must die, because listen to what he claimed, Pilate. He claimed to be God, Hmm. the son of God. And then all we have to do is look at
0: the reaction. This has been part one of episode 39 in the book of John. We invite you to join us next time for part two of episode 39, where we'll conclude our discussion of John chapter 19, verses 1 through 16. Thank you for listening to the Two Journeys podcast, and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you
1: all. Thank you for listening to this resource from twojourneys.org. Feel free to use and share this content to spread the knowledge of God and build His kingdom. Only we ask that you do so for non-commercial purposes